welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Teaching can be a really lonely profession um, because a lot of the time you are in your, you are on your own in the classroom. And, and so anything we can do to negate that and to provide teachers with support and with confidence and you know and to know even when things are going wrong right let's share let's talk about it let's think about what we can do hello and welcome to the fe research podcast my name is joe fletcher saxon and my partner in crime is it's alistair smith hello joe hello alistair how are you i'm not too bad thank you yourself i'm all right thank you do you think one day i ought to have a different line i shouldn't always describe you as my partner in crime that rhymes what can we do i I don't know (laughs) we'll have to mix it up we'll have to mix it up for the new year joe i need a new line i need a new line okay enough of that nonsense so um today and it's the final podcast for 2020 oh that's momentous actually the final pod. we've done most of these podcasts kind of in lockdown really haven't we but we was we were zooming before everyone else was. Oh, we were. Yeah. we're all over it, all over it. Um, so special, super special guests from actually the opposite end of the country to us, really. Um, before I tell you her name, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She is a teacher educator and a researcher. She's from South Devon College. We're all thinking of holidays now in Devon. Um, she originated in really as a secondary teacher, but we forgive her for that before she came to further education. She moved into college higher education, actually. She's recently completed um, her master's, and today she's come to tell us about her master's research, and I think a little bit about unseen observation. So welcome to the podcast, Kath Burrows. Hello. (laughs) Some sunny talky. Ah, oh, is is it's not it's not sunny, is it? No, it's, not, it's raining. <laughs> We've had snow up here. Do you get snow there? Very rarely. We had a couple of snow days. I think it was two years ago, which was it's unheard of, really. Was it in the news? <laughs> yeah, it was in the news. But in our memory, it's history. It's it's there. Snow days and snow. Yeah, very exciting. Yes. Well, look, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to just hand straight over to you in a way with the first question. Um, So tell us the kind of title of your research and and kind of how it came about. Um, Yes, so my research was looking at the impact of coaching um, in improving professional practice in an FE setting. Um, And... It was because we all we sort of had a philosophy of coaching that was already quite well embedded within our within our college, and I worked very closely with sort of like um, the head of quality. We wanted to I wanted to look at what worked well and why, with um, you know a view to improving, you know um, teaching and learning, improving the experience of learning. So we wanted to look at what was going well, why it was going well, and then how could that have a further impact. For me, that was really that was really really important. Was that my research would have an impact, or in college across my setting, with you know with teaching and learning. 
Mm-hmm. So do you know what I think is really interesting about that? Often when with action research, we instruct students, trainees, trainee teachers, I'm thinking yeah. Yeah. To, to start with the problem. But actually you began with a more appreciative inquiry approach with what was working well, I think. Is that right? Sounds like it. Yeah, I think I yeah, I wanted to and actually what I thought would work well when I set off on my little journey didn't work well. And so actually what has had the impact, the research that's had the most impact on us as a college moving forward um, wasn't even, I didn't, I hadn't even really heard of it when I started my research. And for me, that's like, that that was like a real light bulb moment, but actually that's the beauty of research. It's, it is, it's, it's like a sort of an investigation. Um, like it's a detective journey mm. and particularly I, I love the literature review, but you know, when you start it, you don't really know where it's going to end up. And I certainly didn't. Um, and sort of like the quality team didn't, and it's, it's, it's actually had a, a real impact so that's and it's been it's really exciting actually I never thought that research could be that it's sort of exciting <laughs> it's oh it's great I'm looking at Alistair, Alistair Spell as well it's great hearing you you're so enthusiastic it's marvellous <laughs> and somebody who raves about a, a literature review that must be that must that's, be yeah, I loved it that was my absolutely my favourite bit was just um, finding out stuff um, yeah. and researching and thinking, oh, this is brilliant. And and it's all, and the most significant thing that it's had a real impact on my role as, because I work um, with trainee teachers and, and it's had such an impact on, on all aspects of my role as a teaching and learning coach across college, but particularly within uh, as a teacher trainee. And it, it's just, I didn't even want to start the masters. I didn't even want to do it in the first place. <laughs> I really didn't and it and it was it's been absolutely brilliant yeah. so doing the literature review for your master's completely informed you as a teacher of new people coming new into the profession then absolutely yes yeah. it, it sort of increased my um you know my my um my pedagogical knowledge but all it just because I had to devote time to reading and I think like one of the outcomes of of my research was that teachers are really busy Mm. we are you know all teachers are really busy and quite often we haven't got time to research and read about what's out there and so one of one of my um sort of the outcomes of my research was about the importance of instructional coaching um okay yeah. Um, tell me, tell me what instructional coaching is. Well, sort of in, instructional coaching. It sort of comes. It's 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 roots really in 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 sports coaching, where you are really absolutely focused and specific on what you are going to do to improve. Okay. And so it's it's not a term that I'd even heard of. But when I was doing my literature review, and I was like, oh, that, that's what we do. That's what we do. And and. Um, and I was sort of um, reading about that and incremental coaching, which I'd read about in, in, in an earlier piece of research when, and in Andy Buck's book. And um, when I read about instructional coaching, I was like, I love this. And because it just gives the teachers the knowledge they need and it really helps them to, to improve and give them a real target not targets because that's um but just a bit of real focus because teachers they're on their own quite a lot in well they're on their own a lot in their classroom mm. they're sort of always really the teachers are always researching every lesson is a mini research project about what went well what didn't go well 
and why you know and so actually if you've got time to reflect on what's gone well and work with somebody else um then it it can sort of give you a sort of a, a focus to improve and almost become a researcher yourself on the ground level as a practitioner yeah that, I think I've sort of gone off on a tangent a bit, really. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so when you started out, then was your desire, your if you like your maybe research question, to identify the best type of coaching? Is that what you set out to find out, or yeah, I wanted because I I I knew that we were that coaching worked well, and I, and and across college. When, when I sort of started working with with um, my colleague, Nikki Hawkins, and we were chatting and we'd meet, and there's a lot of different types of coaching going on. And also we were going to re, we were going to sort of launch action learning sets. And I'd done a bit of research before on group coaching and I'd worked with my trainees on using group coaching to improve their behavior management strategies. And, and so when Nikki was talking about action learning sets, I thought, oh, this is going to be brilliant across college. This is going to work really well. But when we when when I started researching it and we started sort of I started following the process, it didn't work. Mm. Not because of the coat, not because of action learning sets, but just because of the it was just really hard to staff couldn't meet. It's a really big college and it was it logistically, it's just really hard to get staff together at that time so that was something I thought was going to be brilliant and a real success and it wasn't it started off with everybody going oh this is brilliant and committing but then actually when the realities of teaching a full-time table and you know marking and all those other things that we do as teachers you know meeting with with a, a group comes it does sort of maybe come at the bottom of your priority list yeah it's funny that I've, I've had that very conversation just recently about action learning sets but they were kind of in vogue at one time weren't they yes yeah and, and so the, it, I think what's interesting is all what, what you're saying is that you had lots of different models of coaching in operation yes I think so here for example we're trying to roll out one model based on you know some evidence mm. but how, how had that evolved and how come you got all these different types of coaching going on was it just an organic it just you know evolved like that well we had that we had sort of I suppose many mi- sort of mini research projects going on that I was able I had the the you know the the um sort of I suppose it's a luxury of looking down on and, in, and sort of delving into all these different projects so I worked with three different types of coaching across college so the action learning set which actually didn't take me that long to research because it wasn't that that you know didn't help help, um, go that well but then um some the instructional coaching that was quite a new thing for our college and and um working at how we could use instructional coaching to support staff in developing like evidence-informed strategies and practice and then also um, uh, um, one of our lead TLCs, lead teaching and learning coaches, Rebecca Walker, that I think, uh, did you say you knew? But I knew oh, well, anyway, but she was working, she was doing peer coaching to improve one of her, so to help one of her colleagues upskill in a process called Level Up. So in, in feedback, giving feedback to, to their learners. 
So I was able to look in and, and they were really generous at their time and look at what worked and what didn't work and why and how as a college, what we could do to use coaching to improve um, the experiences of our learners really and improve teaching and learning even more. So we'd already made some really good groundway, but how could it work at a better level? So you'd so you began your your this delving in then. So how how did you actually, if you like, gather your data? What were you doing? Were you doing interviews? Were you doing observations? What did you actually do in practice? Well, what I actually uh, planned to do what I what actually happened changed slightly because of lockdown so I'd actually sort of had some things planned some observations um but um I I interviewed I spent a lot of time sort of in, working with the coaches I went to when we were doing the um the instructional coaching sessions that was with our the, um our construction sort of department our construction section of of the college and I went and watched some of those sessions um, where our TLC Rachel sort of was leading that I, and then I interviewed um, the coaches and the coaches. Right. Wow. So how many interviews did you carry out then in the end? Um, altogether it was it was quite a small sample mm-hmm. actually but so I think it was altogether it was about eight interviews nine interviews something like that um but actually it was it and and this is the, the, i i was a bit disappointed that actually but it made me feel that this it's still significant and it still was meaningful for our college you know yes it wasn't why it i'm wasn't, asking really because uh, i think people can assume at even mm. at this level that somehow you need loads and loads and actually no that's not the case and it's i, I asked that on purpose for you to say that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, eight interviews. There'd be a lot, a lot there to analyse, and yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, so, uh, you, you interviewed all these people. You got all your information. What happened next? Um, and then I had to, um, I had my toys out of the pram moment when I had to do my analysis. <laughs> yeah. And I like the literature review and I like all the research that bit. And then, but the analysis was, it was hard. It, it was quite hard because um, it was, I did thematic coding. So I was like looking at trying to draw out themes and I did, and I, and I could, I had it all in my head, but I really struggled to organize it all on paper and to really draw out what the results were in a really meaningful way that like, I've, I know I always talk about impact, but how that those results could have an impact and how they could mean something and how I could turn them into recommendations. And that took me a while. And I actually um, sent my analysis into my tutor and then her, her, and then I read her feedback and I thought, no, this isn't very good. <laughs> this anal- And I started again and I've completely reorganized it and started again um, because I, j- I just knew it was just a bit, it was just a bit, blur that academic word highly academic but and I just wanted I just wanted I thought if I put all this work into it and I know that there's some really good stuff in here I've got to get it out and I've got to get it out in an organized way that other people can understand that isn't just in my head what what the answers are it's got to be that people can pick it up and think right okay that that and that so that again that's interesting so even at that stage you had in your mind what was going to mean something to the place where you work? Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. And to I me, say that's common, really. I don't. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh. Alistair, what do you think? Don't know. <laughs> Necessarily immediately in people's minds. Um, okay. So uh, tell us a bit about the results, your findings, and your, your recommendations from all of that as well. So, um, yeah, the, the recommendations, and this is this is where I think the, the the one of my recommendations has had the most impact on us as a college moving forward, which was um, to use instructional coaching um, to sort of um, as a sort of um, a vehicle to implement unseen observations. And to move away from the, you know, I think Tom Sherman calls it the top-down approach, um, and sort of ungraded, and to, to use unseen observations to develop our our staff as reflective practitioners, and to, I think it's what I I really like about it is that you it's personal to that to the teacher to the practitioner it encourages them I think to to reflect which is another one of my I love I love talking about reflective practice as well but um it really encourages teachers to think about what's going on in their classroom and I think it, it's quite empowering for them mm. and it puts the emphasis on them as a reflective practitioner and also that coaching partnership rather than the and I know and I get this as a as a sort of someone that works with trainee teachers moving away from from observations as being judgmental towards being um using the coaching process to be quite empowering really so unseen observations could I, I wouldn't like to say this, but it you know it could be just seen as a it's a term of posh word for sort of really coaching. It is. You know. well, <laughs> it, we don't mind. Matt won't listen to this. I know. Doctor, I like Professor Matt yeah. O'Leary. Let's give him a shout out. Wrote <laughs> his book for him. Um, <laughs> oh, we love you, Matt. We love you and your shirts. Um, oh, and uh, Joanne Miles as well, of course. She's worked with um, Matt to you know talk to a lot of people about unseen observation but you're right some people would also say it's a, a really effective coaching model in essence mm. so your findings took you down the path of okay instructional coaching this this, this is what it is and we're going to instruct people in this method of yes using okay so, yeah so then i share i shared my recommendations with the quality team right were you know they they were so supportive of them and then they shared them with the senior leadership team and then so that's when the real impact happened and they became part of sort of like the part of the embedding the new teaching learning and assessment framework across college mm. so because what it was really interesting you know because it was they were able to say this is what we've seen that could work really well for our college and and so that was a moment where I thought oh gosh I, I've, I've had some impact and and this is what we can do as teachers yeah. we can have impact it doesn't need to be global no yeah. well there's quite big impact there so <laughs> going from not wanting to do a master's <laughs> what a big circle there I know I know but what again what's interesting there in that conversation is um how you went via various people to get to the senior leadership team and then it comes back down again yes yeah <laughs> like a circuitous yeah. route to get to get there 
I think, it, and also because I was a teaching and learning coach and I sort of talked to um, the quality team all the way through about, about the research. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were very much aware of what I was doing. And so they were just really enthusiastic to see what my actual final recommendations were. So Brilliant. They, yeah. How many of the, the members of that quality team are um, active researchers themselves, Kath? I, I um, well, actually, I know that Nikki and Holly are, and I know that several members of the, the teaching and learning coach coaches are, but actually, I think there's a real shift now mm. towards research, and actually, and, and this is what I find really exciting, it isn't just about, it, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to ask 500 people, you know, what it can actually be, and this is what I, th- I think is really important, it can be what's going on in your classroom absolutely every day, you know, and the teacher as a researcher on the absolute ground level, and I think that's a, a really important shift to, you know, and to make to, to teachers to feel actually what you do is the most important on the ground level. That's where the research should start. And that's what, you know, I suppose that links with evidence informed practice. Um, and I just think it's a really exciting time to be in education, to be a teacher, to be a researcher. Yes, there are, there are always going to be those negative aspects. But if we can sort of empower teachers to think, right, what's going on in my classroom? How how can I reflect on that? How can I improve? What strategies can I use? And then be working with coaches, you know, who are experts, which is what instructional coaching is about. Then I just I think it's just really exciting for education and for where it can go that it isn't just stagnant, that it's just moving. It's, I think it's really exciting. Mm. It's almost like we've paid you to say that, Kath. <laughs> no, you haven't. We haven't. We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all this fabulous stuff, I mean, obviously it's great you to be talking to us now, but have you shared it beyond the college walls? Have you been to any conferences, written any papers, you know, talked anywhere? Um, no, my colleague and I, um, one of the, my other colleagues, Emma, who's also part of the teacher training team, we would, we've just... Um, um, we've just sort of um, done the, the um, advanced practitioners module on unseen observation. So we're now, myself and her are starting a, a, with sort of Nikki, working with Nikki to, to do another little research project on, take, on looking at unseen observations. So we're going to look at a control group and um, a non-control group, <laughs> which I don't yeah, think that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're, and we're going to sort of compare, look at their, the different feedback for those that have had the instructional coaching on the unseen observations and a control group that haven't and sort of see if we can then really sort of nail down the impact that instructional coaching and unseen observation have had as well. I also spoke to um, Josh Kang the other day, mm-hmm. who, who's really interested in the, 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 the project, my research and sort of working with Nikki about what we've done with it across college, I think, and how that's worked with the senior leadership team as well and how we're using it to move forward. So it's yeah, it's exciting. Not something I thought about when I started it. Or no, what what a journey you're on. Yeah, yeah. we should yeah. give a, a bit of a shout out to Nikki as well. Yes, of the beautiful scarves, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki in lovely scarves. Um, all right, I'm going to hand over now to uh, Alistair to ask you a few oh. questions. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jay. All of a sudden, like my my 
brain went empty then. I had a brilliant thought straight at the front of my mind and I didn't write it down quick enough on my pad, which is typical. Um, but the thing that uh, sort of struck me listening to you there, you, you were talking about um, kind of the impact that obviously you had to change things when kind of COVID and lockdown happened. Um, and I was interested sort of how much you, you had to go about changing your research and, and perhaps um, consequently, I'm guessing there's still a lot more that you'd like to maybe do and take it forward because the you haven't got this kind of enthusiasm and drive going on um, to just sort of stop the project now. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's still things in place to, to take forward for that. Um, yes, I think I was actually, I was just re, just before I spoke to you, I was like reading through my recommendations again and thought, and, I, and we've actually sort of really, we've, my, like I said, my colleague and I have really sort of looked at how we can use instructional coaching to sort of embed um, unseen observations. And I was looking at the impact of, of peer coaching. And I'd like, I know that that's, that's going on within, we've got like a, a high school within our college as well. And I know that Rebecca's doing lots of work with the high school team and A-level team about using feedback um, and to sort of in, in up, uh, enable sort of learners to improve their grades, and so I'd like I'd like to sort of go in and see how that's working with how you're working with other staff to to do that, um, and also like the the peer triangles, the teaching triangles is something else I looked at that that's that worked really well. Um, when it worked, it worked, but again, it was logistically sometimes really difficult to get three people together and organise. So there is so much out there. There is so much that I would still like to do. Um, but as a college, you know, we um, and as a quality team and a team of coaches, you know, there is an emphasis on researching and seeing what goes well and and how we can how we can improve. So but yeah, there is a, a, a lot that I, that is still really interesting to be able to look at. Really, yeah, still still lots of directions to go. Yeah, lots. Um, yeah, which was one of the strengths of, of the of this project because I looked at lots of different approaches. But then when it comes to sort of carrying them on, you're like, well, which one? <laughs> How can which one? You know. Um, have hmm. Have you found any of them kind of uh, any of your kind of um, key findings cross over into this digital world where we're kind of finding ourselves doing remote elements of teaching and uh, or whatever name you want to kind of apply to it? But have you found they they cross over to that? Um, I think it's been, that's a really, that's a really good question, actually, because it's been a, a real shift. I, I personally have found this shift to on online delivery, the teacher training team we've done, we've still focused on safe, on face to face. But in terms of coaching across college, I think that it, that's what staff have been crying out for and what we've had to really shift our, our sort of our focus on as well in colleges how to support staff in online delivery and for maybe we've got some learners that are there some learners that are at home and how we can best do that so and that's been a real emphasis for our sort of team of coaches as how we can best support our staff uh, in doing that and that's been a real learning curve for me because as a teacher I'm, I love the classroom and and I I love teaching and it's been and and I found lockdown really sad because you didn't have that anymore and it was you know I was teaching modules that I really love through through my iPad 
was, you know, it just, it wasn't the same, wasn't the same. But I think there's a lot of potential for research out there for what works for teachers and for our learners as well. I think that's really important how, I think it'd be really interesting to look at how learners learn best digitally, but I don't, it's I think that that obviously there's going to people will be looking at that but I think most most of feedback from our trainees is they just love being in the classroom and that's where they want to be you know as a teacher and as a learner they would much rather be sat in a classroom learning yeah. than they would yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm quite fortunate. I've got a, a good chunk of time in the classroom, but when I'm not, I, it's, it's not a comfortable feeling, and I'm, I'm not a fan of doing things via uh, Teams or, or um, through the internet. Yeah. It's not quite got yeah. the same feel to it, um, which I think um, is quite no, important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Interestingly, you were talking a bit about um, kind of time availability um for things like the action learning sets and and the mentoring have um have you found that that teachers have have been um more responsive to the the kind of time restraints with the models of um coaching that you've looked at right over those action learning sets has that worked okay for you um yeah because and also what's really interesting there is is that um the instructional coaching model that I looked at where they um, it was working with our construction team as a as a college they're trialed giving all members of that that department one hour CPD a week where they were all off timetable which in a, in an FE college it's very different because you don't work that necessarily that sort of nine to three thirty you've got evening teaching you've got late teaching so it's not such a regimented school day um, or college day and so what the college committed to as well was to giving each sort of area subject area the staff giving them an hour a week where it would be they would all have cpd time at the same time in order to trial you know i um could be received some in, um, input from a coach on different evidence-informed strategies. So it was up to really the curriculum head. So that's something that's still ongoing and it's quite new um, in its sort of in it in its um, development. But yeah, that's something that again was sort of taken on board by the senior leadership team. They were like, right, okay, if this works, where all staff are, are, are off at the same time or made free, then that will will commit to doing that. No, and it is it, it's I think it's quite a big sort of ask, but so that it'd be really interesting to see the impact that that has. Yeah, we're we're trying something out similar actually in in our college oh, yeah. this year, and it's um it's quite nice and and actually. In terms of a, a fix, it's not it's not a difficult one necessarily to do if it's planned in from the beginning. So it, it's nice to have that opportunity to have time where you get cross departments or um, uh, um, opportunities to talk and, and build on uh, teaching uh, and learning quality and things like that. It's, it's quite an interesting time. Yeah, and I, and I think it'd be really good to sort of, as we develop it further, sort of set up maybe those action learning sets where you've got people from different areas where you can talk about issues. You no, know, and I, I, like I said, I did some work with some trainees on talking about behaviour management strategies and what they could do. And it, and it was actually, it was, it was when it worked, it was fantastic. You know, and they got a lot from it. But it was really difficult to commit to that hour a week 
where we were working across many sites and it, 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 that was really hard. But when it worked, the impact of using group coaching to develop those strategies was, was, was excellent. And it had an it had a impact on them on, you know, emotionally in terms of confidence as trainee teachers had a real impact on this, you know, giving them confidence to try different strategies and also to talk about what didn't work and what was going wrong in a really safe environment. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And just to kind of change, change that, ever so slightly so i mean it's hard for teachers to find time but for teacher researchers to find time to also do their research isn't an an easy one either so how how did you find managing the time to do the research have you kind of developed little strategies around that yeah it was when i when i was doing my masters it was really hard it was it was really hard um and I had to be really disciplined and I had to go through almost every every sort of Saturday when I, I had to dedicate time. Um, and I and I had my toys out of the pram moment every week and had to work out that I had to go through that. And then I loved it. And once I got started, then I loved it, you know, and it, and it was it was really good. But luckily, my husband works in education as well. So he completely understood what I was doing. Um, but, yeah, it was hard. And my, my children are, are at quite a good age. They were sort of um, 15 and 12. then, so they understood and they weren't sort of ramming on the door going, mummy, I need the toilet or something. You know, they they were more self-sufficient. Um, but what it has made now is that research is part of my life now so i i now it i regular i research regularly and i feel bad that i've not done this before but i think as a college there's a real emphasis on try this read this what and i think there's a, I, don't, I think there's a shift in education towards teachers becoming researchers and thinking oh we can find out for ourselves we can read for ourselves and, and i think as I, I think um that's a really exciting time but yeah it's definitely now part of my life and I read stuff and I'm like oh, I'm gonna try that I'm gonna share that with my trainees or you know so it's it's really exciting time and that's just because of I I, I was told to do a master's <laughs> and it's the best thing I've ever been told to do <laughs> which isn't bad considering you sort of started with the barrier of not really wanting to go there and and really so it, it's become a life-changing event for you in, in yeah. many ways yeah and I, and I think that's because of the kind, and I suppose really that links to the group coaching and the action learning sets is the first part of my master's. Um, well, we, we, I went, I used to go down, drive down to Plymouth every Saturday. Um, well, not every Saturday, about one Saturday a month. And, and we really bonded as a group. And I think that, that working together as a group really helped to grow in my confidence and and so I think that gave me an in, a real insight into the power of groups and the power of group coaching and, and how that could actually really support staff because that that really 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 helped me to get into my masters and to and to um, gain sort of the, the confidence in my research and to know actually I, I was I was okay I could do this and and so I found that group whole group emphasis impact very empowering actually which I think now you've said it has had an, had an impact on some of my choices of research mm-hmm. yeah that, that's yeah. really interesting I, and um, I'm doing three projects at the moment that are all group orientated and I hadn't quite thought about the impact of the group and, until you've mentioned that but yeah. Uh, it yeah. makes a lot more sense now and, and it's 
becoming mm. a, a more bearable journey for being part of a group as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, think yeah, I, I think absolutely. And, and maybe even being in lockdown has made us realise how much we value that that interaction with actual real life humans and, you know, and how important that is to discuss, to share, to talk, um, to bounce ideas off each other. That's how I work best, definitely. And I think that that was an important realisation for me, you know. I think Joe will join me in, in kind of saying how, how important that's been for us because while we've been recording podcasts through lockdown and doing the podcast has been a great opportunity to just talk to other people and kind of get excited about projects and, and share thinking and, and be part of something bigger. So that's been really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I do. I think it's, it's really important and it's, I think it's really important as well for teachers because one of the things I read about um was um, I think it was Shulman that said about pedagogical solitude that actually teaching can be a really lonely profession um, because a lot of the time you are in your, you are on your own in the classroom and and so anything we can do to negate that and to provide teachers with support and with confidence and you know and to know even when things are going wrong right let's share let's talk about it let's think about what we can do. And so I think that, you know, I think that's a really important aspect of what I, I read about as well. And that term pedagogical solitude, I just remember some, you know, some of those really poor, really challenging lessons that I'd had, you know, um, with some, you know, challenging groups and how sometimes you can feel really lonely when you, you and you think you're the only person that that's happening to but it isn't <laughs> yeah no 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 that that that's a very real um thing that i think a lot of the teachers out there would nod their head along to um because i think we've all had those moments um they're usually on a dark day in january as well just to add to it um, so, um before before we kind of come to an end though i'm really interested to i mean you've mentioned lots as we've been going along um but i'm really interested to know if you've got any kind of key literature that's informed your thinking along the way um that that might be worth um mentioning for, for anyone interested in digging a bit deeper um Yes. So in terms of right, in terms of, of coaching, and I, do you know, I've never said his name out loud before. I've only ever, I've only ever read it. I'm going to say it's Van Neuerberg, Van Neuerberg or something. But I've read quite a lot of his stuff in terms of coaching. Jean McNiff in, in action research and research in education, I found really useful. Um, in terms of, um, I found the walkthroughs book really really supportive and and i know we've used it and we've used it a lot so by um by tom sherrington and oliver Cavalieri. um but i found that 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 has been brilliant that that was really really good um as well um and matt o'leary's book i actually um did, i could go on and on i've got i've spent i had to keep getting i kept getting parcels from amazon under the radar new books would arrive and i'd be like i love this this is really exciting so i've got yeah it, um um, it, it, yeah, so I don't know. I could go on and on about literature. I, I think I've just learned an important lesson, though, Kath. I think um, for my reading, um, I'm going to try and keep any difficult surnames out of the I, reading list. And then <laughs> if I'm talking about it afterwards, it keeps it easier. Um, but, <laughs> oh, dear, that's me all over. <laughs> and and we, we quite often also ask, as, as we get towards the end, any kind of top tips for anyone out there? Um joining in on their their research journey or just starting out 
or or even those struggling their way through um, the early stages of reading hey joe <laughs> yeah um i i i think what i loved most was um just i, I think it was um in a book i read like it was the idea that the the, your research and and I, I just go with it if it takes you off down another little pathway go with that because that's when I found my most exciting and most really most influential research the things that had a, an impact on me don't be rigid just think oh I'm going to read about that I'm going to find out because and, and it's those moments that have had the most impact um as well and also what i said about it doesn't matter if it's just a tiny sample it can still be really meaningful because if it's just improving your practice if it's just improving your team's practice it's still really important to teaching to the learners which is what research should be about really and try and be disciplined i had to really learn to be disciplined (laughs) thank you that's really really helpful thank you Uh, i shall pass over to joe now oh right so there's a few things that have sort of picked up there do you know what i think i haven't moved out of the stage of throwing my toys out of the I'm just permanently there. We've started an infill, Alistair and I, and we did a kind of boot camp. So it's in residentials, although obviously it was digital recently, but, you know, like intensive periods. I'm still definitely in the toy throwing stage. <laughs> not, not, the, not the reading. Find that difficult. Um, yeah, you were saying about being with, like, groups uh, was where you – kind of did your best thinking it sounded like and and that's what I've discovered and I think lots of people have discovered in lockdown is community is everything and you do yeah. have thinking when you're around people that give you that well Nancy Klein calls it generative attention so I think yeah, I would absolutely concur with that love pedagog well I don't love it but I like the term pedagogical solitude that's a new one like that um so Look, this is our last podcast for 2020. So I thought we should all share. So this is putting Alistair on the spot as well. Maybe a hope for 2021, a professional one. I mean, you can say a personal one if you want, mm. like winning the lottery. But, you know, a professional hope for 2021. Let's go round. Well, we'll start with Kath. Oh, God. Professional hope. I, I really sort of I from my own point of view I'd like teaching to return to being really classroom based um really I I that's where my heart is and I love that um and I'd like to see um in our college I'm really excited to see what we what we're going to do with um sort of the unseen observations and how we can use those to empower teachers really within their own classrooms yeah. um, to become their own little mini researchers so with, with your kind of enthusiasm behind everyone Kath I'm sure great things are going to happen what about you Alistair what's your professional hope for 2021 I, I think it would be fair to say just being back in the classroom a lot more is definitely <laughs> right up there. Um, but I think I'd, I'd quite like to see um, the students recognising something that I've talked about with them in, in this last week. Um, and that is that they hadn't realised 
how fantastic and resilient they've been and how fantastic they've been at problem solving and just being able to carry on to the point where I'd say it's it's hardly impacted on, on my students' outcomes. Um, and I think that says something about them as individuals. And um, we were doing their UCAS statements with them and they'd forgotten to say anything about their own resilience and ability to kind of problem solve and overcome. And they've lived through it and they're doing it. So so maybe the hope is for them to recognise that as well. You can ask me mine. I'll tell you. Anyway. Yeah, go on, Jay. go on. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, the, the, the classroom stuff, of course. I don't think it's impossible to form community online. In fact, I think I've really accessed lots of community and flourished, really, um, you know, in that way. But I am, yeah, you know, human contact and all mm. that. That'd be great. Um, but I think uh, because I've got a passion for uh, obviously promoting practitioner research and we've launched a new professional mm. learning model this year, so I'd like to... I mean, obviously, I hope that offering staff the opportunity to engage in their own little research projects, and we've got a journal club as well, which is the reading that you were talking about, Kathy. You know, opportunities. Uh, That's well, lots of people have signed up to that. I hope that that proves to be a good thing. But my MPhil is looking at that, so if it all goes catastrophically wrong, I'm going to be desperately upset. You know, so yeah, my hopes are kind of there. Yeah, I hope all that to be good <laughs> okay we're done we're done for 2020 alistair that's that that's it do you remember when we had a conversation about doing a podcast so that we could share some research conversations with people yeah. and uh, here we are down the line and yeah let, adding to the hopes let's let's hope for a very successful podcast year as well yeah well we've we know we've had it kind of passed us by, didn't it? It snuck past us that we'd had over a thousand downloads. Yeah. We passed it. Is that like an anniversary? That, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And we should say to people that in 2021, we're going to be celebrating our 21st podcast, aren't we? We're going to be putting out a very special podcast with 21 in 21. Yeah. yeah. And, and kind of celebrating a 21st birthday, you know, because we, we're just making it up. Making up as a girl along. Oh, thank you so much, Cass Burrows of South Devon College. You've been a joy. How important to you? We just need a dose of Cass, don't we? That's all. <laughs> oh, I've loved it. No, thank you so much for asking me um, and just being so kind. And yeah, it, I've really loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Right, we'll yeah. say bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. You've been listening to the FE Research Podcast. You can follow the conversations on Twitter using the hashtag FE Research Podcast. Thanks for listening and hopefully you can join us again soon.